It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the It's All Cobbers to Me preview show. I'm Danny Brothers, and I'm here to look forward to Saturday's trip to the Pirelli Stadium and to Burton Albion. Back in November, the Cobblers beat Albion 2-0 at Sickfields on a fairly comfortable afternoon. Three games and three more defeats later, though, manager Dino Marmio was shown the door. Here to talk about what's happened since and where the Brewers can go from here is Ed Walker. How are you doing, Ed? I'm very well, Danny. I hope you are yourself on this fine Wednesday evening that we're recording. Yes, yes, lovely stuff, lovely stuff. Uh, thanks for coming back on again. Um, like I said, a, a lot's changed since we last played you. <laughs> um, a lot gone on. I, I thought it was, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming both of us are going to see a fairly different side of where we were, but it's not been a massive amount of time, like last November, since we took on each other before. But main thing that's changed with you since manager's gone, um, what went wrong? What happened? Dino Marmia, Um Was it too soon? Was it too, was it? too late what's gone on there um i I don't i I think back to that reverse fixture actually i don't think we've changed that much in terms of probably position it was kind of slightly uncomfortable then still slightly uncomfortable now maybe the difference is imagined (laughs) i'll I'll mention that i I talked to you just before we started i cannot believe what's happened in the the time between that reverse fixture in november where you guys were coming in so desperate for a win just to try and get some confidence back Mm. you get that victory and you've just become a monster like, I, I don't know what <laughs> what was unlocked that day. I probably felt annoyed at the time. And then I see what happened since, you know, and you're like, you know what? Fine. If that's the level they're going to be at, then I'm, I'll handle the, the tunnel on the day. Um, it was, I was at the game, for what I recall, bitterly disappointing to our perspective. It was another one of those we came out saying, I have no idea what the game plan for that was. We were going into against side, lower mm. down the table, one you were hoping to at least collect some kind of positive result against. And I don't recall, I think we had one shot on target after 2-0, and it was Stockton's that was saved. By then, Hoskins had yes. got the second, yeah. and we basically knew that was it already. So it was, a, it was a familiar thing that we'd had. And it was a little bit after we'd had a, a good purple patch, kind of around October time, where everything was still all right, but it was starting to slide back down again. And it was just this feeling that maybe we actually, that actually just was a purple patch we had before. 
and we're trajectory wise heading in the wrong direction. It was it was backed up by all the numbers to the people who, who like the statistics. We were not creating a lot of chances. I think it was basically Cheltenham were the only team that had had fewer shots than us in the season. Cheltenham, of course, had had that atrocious start and were recovering and getting better under um, Daryl Clark. So it was worrying statistics there. Generally struggling to create sides. I think we had five games under him that season where we didn't even have a shot on goal five times across the season. And these weren't always away days against some of the bigger outfits that were similar level opposition that you really hoped you could get a positive result against. And it just regressed and the belief fell away. And I think Dino always kind of kept his belief that he could do a bit like managers are. They kind of hold that belief that they're going to sort this out. It will come. And the killer was that um, Stevenage game. I think it was the 9th of December now at home. One up uh, through a penalty turned around 2-1 defeat uh Stevenage scored should have had more quite frankly than two they were absolutely dominant throughout most of the game it was a uh really poor result to the perspective and I remember seeing the interviews afterwards Dean and Mama speaking to Radio Derby got that sense I'm gonna hold firm to my job whilst a minute but I think he knew deep down that was it it was going to be the last one he, he was reflecting saying this, this is the last one for me I've enjoyed my time here and I'll I'll leave the club with good memories and lo and behold he, he was dismissed Later on down the line, um, I think as Dina was a manager, we we probably, I think we maybe carry similar things to this second Hasselbank spell. He came in initially with a big task in front of him, successfully completed it. It's his specialty. Dina Mamre is a very good Tharthite manager, I think. You can put him into sticky situations mm. and he will sort it. He's just never really been capable of taking the next step with this team and Football that's direct, quite physical, playing percentages, it's all well and fine when you're battling for every single point you can. But when you go into a new season and your expectation naturally raises a bit, it just isn't enough. And it was Mm. a decision that I don't think anyone really bemoans the decision to go. Because I think if he'd still be here now, we would be in a pretty uncomfortable situation right down the bottom end of the table. Yeah, because just before you played this, you've gone on a really good run, like you mentioned in October. Mm. 21st of October, you're beating Bristol Rovers 4-1. You're up in ninth. You're only three points off the top six. And then suddenly, form just completely collapses. Um, you've lost to worse than you've lost to Peterborough, to Portsmouth, like you said, to Stevenage, then 3-0 to Oxford. Was there anything noticeable in terms of the first run and the second run? Did anything particularly drop off? Was that something to do with the players coming in, injuries? What, I, what went I, on do you know what? Match? I can't give you an answer for that. I, I really, really can't. I thought at the time it was more favourable fixtures because it had been a pretty tough start the season with some of the supposed stronger sides and it probably been reflected in the results. I remember going into October looking at the fixtures and thinking, right, there's a chance of some points here and lo and behold, they did do that. I think they they had won until they went to Port Vale in kind of the middle of September on a, mm. Tuesday, on a rearranged game. It was originally supposed to be in the international break in September but got postponed, pushed to a later date. That was a period where Port Vale could have temporarily gone top of the table. Incredible when you consider the situation mm. they're in now, of course. So we go and win 3-2 there. We then went unbeaten, I think, for the next eight games. So we kind of thought, right, this is where we start. We start getting the results. The Bristol Rovers was fantastic. Then I remember after the, was it after the Bristol Rovers game, it might well have been, went to Carlisle on a Tuesday night. Big trip up there. Um, won up in the first half. Lost 2-1 with two late goals. Deserved with the Carlisle. They were better throughout the whole of the game. It was a poor showing for Burton from that perspective. You're always a bit down that you've gone on that really long trip and not come back with any points. But at the same time, you looked at the results before and thought, fine, it, it can happen. But it's maybe that instead was actually the point where we started going back to what we were before. So I, I can't give you a definitive answer. I'd almost maybe say Purple Patch with us overachieving for that little period with some favourable games, made the mm. most of that. And it, it's that little period, really, 
that has kept our heads above water this whole time. Yes, we've been involved looking towards the bottom end of the table, certainly since um, the new managers come in and that period, that month we had where we were between managers. But that period of results is what's kept us above the head at the minute. I think we were in the bottom four maybe around September time and haven't been in there since. So we've always kind of been looking over the shoulder at the minute. I mean, half the league is such as the state of the league table at the moment. Yes, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I can't... I'm trying to complex an answer and I can't really give you one. I, I suppose it's just a purple patch, really. And we mm, sort of yeah. came out the other side of it with a grey patch and that was it. <laughs> so so it does take that month to find, or over a month even, to to get that new manager in. What first, what that... What was going on in the background there? Were you were fans getting frustrated? Were the club? What were the noises coming out of the club? Was it just a case of we're waiting to find the right person? Were you interviewing a lot of people? Um, you name me what's a the kind of feelings club around the club around Christmas. Waits a month to appoint a manager, and the fan base doesn't get irate about it. It just doesn't yeah. happen. Um, all the theories come out. This is what this is what happens. I don't know if it's the same with other yeah. football clubs. I'd imagine it is, but the theories come out that. Dina was the wrong decision to make. We can't afford to hire anyone we want. No one wants this job. Ben Robinson doesn't mm-hmm. care about the club anymore. All these kind of ridiculous theories that come out. They're the theories that also appear. You know that period every club has where you know a manager's time has passed, but they're still there. So every game just feels like a slog and people are thinking they can't afford to let him go. They don't want to let him go. This kind of thing, this kind of that. They've got to wrap around a thing mm-hmm. or something to see like that. It's never true, but it's the way people trick themselves into believing. So that month was... Maybe frustrating from a manager perspective, but results-wise, it actually wasn't too bad with Gary Mills at the home. We got a pair of um, home wins in the Christmas period, one against Blackpool, one against Shrewsbury, really vital pair of results. He got a draw, I think, with Wickham, which was a bit more luck. Sam Vokes absolutely battered him in that game and only somehow only managed to get one goal, so they could come away with a 1-1 draw from that. And so people are kind of getting this thought into the head. Is he actually going to, has he actually done enough in this interim period to get the job, which no one really wanted because it was, it was a hiring guy in Gary Mills who was already a first team coach, part of the previous regime. People wanted something completely different to what was there before with Dino Marmaria, because even though the point before we'd basically taken Jimmy Thornhouse Bank's assistant in Dino Marmaria and taken that into the next role. So people wanted something mm-hmm. that was completely new, completely fresh, completely out of the blue, which you end up getting, of course, and we'll get, I'm sure we'll get onto that. But I think, myself probably included, we're looking at those results, particularly those wins, and thinking maybe Mills has done enough to get this. And then we find out completely out of the blue, no, Martin Patterson instead. Yeah, so fairly left field appointment, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been assistant at a few clubs in America, then worked under Michael Duff um, at Barnsley and at Swansea. Um there's a little bit of a trend, I think, recently of going for young up-and-coming assistant managers from higher clubs and stuff. But what did Burton fans make of the appointment? Was he on the radar at all? Was Did you hear of him before? Was no, it just no completely I did not see that name anywhere. I mean, why would there be? He had no previous manager experience or anything. Well, the shortlist for ages was mm. Gary Rowett and Steve Cotterell as the front runners, yes, which, he, yes, which we would have yes. happily had either. I mean, it's very Burton to go back to yeah. a familiar name before. Rowett, of course, started his manager career <laughs> a primary time assistant. Cotterell used to play for the club as a player back in the 80s I think or something like that so that was kind of the assumption it was going to be one of those two and he he comes out of nowhere and I think naturally it brings out the pessimists in people doesn't it people look at us and go well who on earth is this what what's this why we were in a relegation battle here why are we going to someone who's never even managed a professional game before don't do any kind of prior research into his CV his interests and people were skeptical I think it's fair to say and the fact that his very first game was away at Derby County on a Monday night 
on a Sky Sports yeah. fixture. So everyone's kind of thinking, well, this could be a tough one. But Patterson is, even in this first month we've had, it has been so easy to very quickly develop a massive love for him as a person. It's probably something similar to what you guys have with John Brady. This is a guy mm-hmm. who, unlike Brady, doesn't really have a prior connection to the club. He's a Staffordshire lad. He's, he's from the area. Never played to the club, never coached with them previously, but it was somewhere he, he said he used to go when he was coming through in his early career. He used to play reserve games here when, back with Nigel Glotter's manager, so we're probably going back to sort of late 2000s here. But this is someone who was, from the word go in his interviews, very clear, I've prepared for this. I've been working on this the last eight years of my career, working in management roles, working in assistant management roles. I am ready to seize this chance. And people particularly loved that his very first comments when asked by Radio Derby, for instance, about that Derby game on, in the coming up, his words were good start. It was never a case of, I'm scared of this opposition, we've got to be wary of this. It was always, I am relishing this opportunity. And that warmed mm. to people straight away. And he's been like that ever since. You know, I, I hate the term, he speaks well. I hate that term. Yeah. It comes out yeah. so often when new managers come in. But I'll tell you what, he does have a good way with words. It's kind of hard, <laughs> hard to deny in that sense. He's he's so different to what I've got really used to with managers. Because a lot of the press conferences you watch over the years, it's always kind of talking in the preview to games and they'll say, oh, we, have, we know the position we're in. We've got to be wary of this opposition. are ranked higher. They've got this strength, this strength and this strength. We need to be wary of that. It's very cautious. Whereas him, always, it's a case of we have this strength, this strength and this strength and the opposition have got to be wary of that. So mm. going into the derby game, relishing the opportunity on Sky to show exactly what they're about. And to a point they did, I think, in that 3-2 defeat with a painful late yeah. winner, but they got themselves back from 2-0 down back to 2-2, which was fantastic. And then later down the line, when he's asked about this crazy situation in League One, where I think at the time Burton were maybe three places, but two points off the bottom four. It was a really that really tight pack. He wasn't looking at the bottom. Mm. His words were we've got this many teams up above us and we're going to go hunt them down. It's that kind of comments yeah. that you never got from Hasselbank. You never got those from Marmria. And it, it really is a difference maker. And coupled with recent results, which is always a bonus, people have really, really quickly warmed to him. And I'm, I'm generally impressed how quickly it's taken a complete stranger to be really, really liked by this fan base. It's really impressive. Yeah. And when you've got that as a fan base as well, you can tell the players are getting that as well. Like I mm. watched that Derby game, the 3-2, and I was stunned. Like the, the difference between what I saw at Sixfields and that game. For you to get back into it at a place like Derby, obviously a Derby game to 2-2, obviously you've lost it late on, but you must have come away with it with a lot of pride, no pun intended. Um, but And then the manager, from what <laughs> you've been that. saying, how, how, um, how he relates himself to the fans, you must get the sense that the players are feeling that as well if that message has come across the fans it must be getting through to the players as well in terms of man management in terms of look don't put limits on where you are as a player we can go and match these teams we can go and beat these teams and showed in the last few weeks you absolutely have done his emphasis every single time he gets interviewed is this group don't know how good they are he's really insistent Mm. on that on it, it seems to be such a great guy to just work around to build your confidence with his understanding of the game, the way he, he studies it seems so incredibly impressive. He's, he's won the fans on side straight away. Even these players, a lot of whom have come in in January as loan deals who are going to be temporary players, they're still on board. It is similar to what we've had the last couple of years where it is a galvanised group that's probably going to secure safety. 
it's been kind of the story of recent seasons yeah. that we've got this galvanised group, got the spirits up a little bit, got the results. League One state is secured for another season, which is the bare minimum we want. So we've got to look ahead to the next 12 months, really, to find out exactly what it's about. But the sense so far is that there is a little something here that's quite good. Ben Robertson, the moment he appointed him, I remember instantly said, this guy that we've hired, I see the same potential in him that I do with Nigel Clough, Gary Rowett, Neil Warnock, people who started their very early managerial careers at Burton and have gone on to achieve great things. And he gave Martin Patterson that tag straight away. And Patterson, being Patterson, just said, yep, happy to have it. Great people to emulate. I'm <laughs> going to try aim to try and do that. There was no fear in his, his sense at mm. all. And I just love this desire he has to remove this underdog tag that Burton put on themselves. Because we do find ourselves, particularly going away to teams, and it feels like you're playing a cup game against a team two leagues higher. You're just still so out of your depth. Yeah. You're dominated on the ball. You're barely creating opportunities. And we're going away to Derby, to Leighton Orient, and we're getting ourselves into the game. Yes, we're still having to defend rigidly a lot of the time. It's a Burton way that we do a lot of shot blocking, for instance. But the result of Leighton Orient, particularly last weekend, was remarkable with the form that Orient are in. I know you guys have just been there yourselves yeah. and they seem just relentlessly yeah. able to always get late goals and to complete that turnaround with admittedly a bit of luck. I think we had two attempts and put both of them away and they were pure dominant in the first half, but more under the cosh in the second. So really good mark on his on his bath there to pick up those two recent wins against Bristol Rovers and Leighton Orient in particular. Yeah, I mean, his first win came back against Charlton 2-0. Really mm-hmm. good home win. Um, important and that, that was similar well. to that, now, that now was similar to it. Orient. That was similar to Orient, yeah. really, where Charlton had a lot of the ball, didn't really do much with it. They're um, they're in trouble. It's it's quite a bizarre yeah. situation. Charlton yeah. in the minutes. It's quite unthinkable, really, to me that that kind of squad could go down, but generally could go down. That's that's maybe another topic. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Like Char- it's definitely, and but you look back at it now, and you think that wins a huge win in terms of keeping mm-hmm. yourself out the the bottom four, doesn't it? So. Um, yeah, big points there. Decent draw at Cambridge. Uh, the one other defeat apart from Derby is a home defeat against Lincoln. That was only one nil, but you bounced back. Beat Bristol Rovers away two one. How they, you know, how they are at the minute. It's they're a bit up and down, but still, any away win in this league is a good win. And especially like you said against Orient to to come not only beat them but to come from behind and to win at Leighton Orient. Fantastic result. And then you to, to bring back to the Pirelli this weekend. It's it's a really good run of form. And it feels like he's just got into the players and he's made them puff their chests out and think, you know, you are good players. This is this is who you are and go and play and go and do your thing. It, I it, think I think it'd be fair of... to say we are having a good run the green the bit. I don't think we've played particularly well in any game yet. Maybe Probably the best we've played so far is the, is the Bristol Rovers game, where the big frustration is that we've mm-hmm. come away without clean sheets. That's probably the big frustration that we went 2-0 up and then pretty much conceded straight away and had a little bit of an awkward end to it, but ultimately got the result. Um, Cambridge, they were battered. It was a case of a bit of shithousery, really, from goalkeeper Max Croak and then getting the point there. Charlton, they, they didn't have a lot of the ball. Leighton or in particular, didn't have a lot of the ball in the first half. They were quite good in the Lincoln game, and the frustration with that Lincoln defeat is that Lincoln had 10 men for... I can't remember, was it an hour, half an hour? I can't remember. They went down to 10 in either the midway to the first half, second half passed me by, but they had a long period of 10 men and ended up losing from there, which is a real frustration. But it depends how you look at it. Do you look at the value of saying that they're not playing well and getting results or do you look at it and think maybe it's a bit of a playing a bit better than they can at the minute and they've got to improve as a thumbling side? I'm bit cautious to go either way at the moment. So we'll see how the season closes out. But if it's the way it is, I'm, I think we're going to 
get the points required to keep ourselves above trouble if that's maybe three, four more wins before the season's up. It's a doable achievement. Yeah, it definitely seems like going in the right direction uh, for sure. Um, we're going to take a quick break from here. So uh, here are some ads. Uh, we'll be back in a few minutes to talk more about the weekend game. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back. We're still here with our Burton fan, Ed Walker. Um, Ed, very quickly before we get into the match, January transfer window, some decent business from you. Um, how's everyone settling in? Anybody standing out so far from your January mainly loans? But you also got um, NCR in for free, didn't you? So how are they all settling in so far? Yeah, well, Toto's had a great start. He's played two games, won both of them and got the winner at Leighton Orient. So he can't, he can't yeah. really complain. That was, um, I, I think my understanding is that was quite an emergency signing because there were some injuries to Jasper mm-hmm. Moon and Sam Hughes particularly. So they were needing a third centre-back to come into there. They'd had to recall um, young Thin Delap, who'd been alone and Mikel over in non-league to play a part in the squad. So Toto's come in as a three-agent signing over left Fleetwood. Can't ask so much more from his first two games, really. That's been really pleasing to see. The January business is maybe where people are still a little bit iffy about it because it's very temporary, particularly with this front line. The big frustration this year, the front line that started the season has not worked the way we hoped it had. You you go back to the start of the campaign, you bring in Cole Stockton, who's just been sensational mm. in the last couple of years. You bring in Josh Gordon, who had a great season at Barrow in the league below. Stockton is probably the most angry I've ever been about Burn signing failing. It just has not worked. I don't know the reason why. Mm. There's There was a long-term injury that played a part, but there's still this kind of consensus that he just didn't feel right in the area. I don't know how much weight I actually carried something like that. But then you see him go back to London to Barrow, and I think he's got three or four goals already in his loan spell. Yeah. So that's just <laughs> that's just extremely annoying that he's already back fit and firing and at his own. So that that's annoying. Josh Gordon, we just didn't play right. He was playing as a striker to Barrow. We were playing as a wide supporting forward. It was never going to work for him. He's gone to Walsall. Josh Walker, who was brought in... Um, the January before from Dagenham as a last minute signing that reportedly was a six figure fee. Should never have spent six figures on a guy like him and not played EFL before. He's now a load of Gillingham where he's had a little bit of an impact for them. So we've had to essentially rebuild the front line again and um, do it with temporary signings, whether that's a financial thing, whether that's just testing the water, seeing what we could do. You can't say for sure. Only people inside the club know the financial situation, but, it's been largely okay so far. Joe Hugel had a great impact, immediate impact, scored in his debut at Derby a few minutes after coming on, got an assist in his home debut against Charlton. Uh, the manly in the line at the moment has been, and I am working on his name, Adamola Ola Adabomi, I believe is how you say it. He's on yeah. loan from Crystal Palace. <laughs> very big lad, very good physical presence. A lot of the, um, the analysts you can find on social media love this guy, and I can see why he's got a great 
physical look to him. He's very good in the line at top. The guy who can play as a lone man in the team. So I, I wonder if he might start the weekend. Not seen so much of um, Antoine Hackford, lad, young lad from Sheffield United. I think part of the problem is we've got so many loads, you can't have them all the match day squad. So someone's going to miss out somewhere, mm. of course. And there's Talaji Bola um, coming from Rotherham to play left back. Helpful because Seddon's been very mixed bag. He's he's had poor discipline. There's been some red, there's been more red cards than goals in the season, which is never ideal for a player. And then I suppose you're probably going to want me to talk about Carl Hudlin, aren't you? That's a yes, you're probably yeah, definitely. Want to get brought up, Carl Hudlin. Um, that guy you kind of mention his name without mentioning his height. The fact that he's six foot nine, and yes. the reason he gets mentioned <laughs> is because that's generally all he's got. A Carl Hudlin. Right, um, okay. I'll, I'll be I'll be real with you. I don't particularly rate Carl Hudlin. Um, I've I've seen this guy have a very quick rise through non-league. He was playing for a very low-down Solihull-based club, moved to Solihull Moors mm. in the National League, had a decent output there. Uh, to be honest with you, I think he should probably still be at Solihull Moors. I, I think this is a guy who is not used to the body he's got yet. He's he's built like a basketball player mm. and he doesn't really know how to use that for football. And to be fair, if I was six foot nine and built like that, I don't think I'd know how to use it for football either. <laughs> So we'll see what comes with that. People, if you kind of see the sense in it, we are a very direct team. We have a set piece threat, long throws, in-swing deliveries. It makes a lot of sense to have a guy who's that tall. But it would not surprise me, honestly, if he ended this load spell without goal. I just don't really think he's of the level yet. And I'd, I'd love to know what Hodder's still seeing him as someone they can develop into something good. I'd, I'd really wait to see what happens with that because I didn't really think much of him at Wimbledon last year either. And I don't think he's going to be... He's not going to be the main guy for Burn anyway. Let's put it that way. That's why you're quite pleased that um, Mola mm. and Hugo are here instead. Yeah, um, it, is he? Is Hudley just coming off the bench for the last sort of ten minutes or so and being that head on a stick? Last kind couple of, of head, last couple of games has been the case. Yeah, it's um, it's quite a sight yeah. singing running around. <laughs> it really is quite a sight. <laughs> oh, it's I mean, I, now you've said it's going to end with no goals. As, no, you said it's going to end with no goals. That's guaranteed goal on Saturday. That's it? the plan. That's the plan, Danny. Yeah, yeah. That's the plan. Um, the fates. Yeah. Someone else has left you as well, formerly of this parish, Bez Labala. Mm. Um, short, was he on a short-term deal with you, I think? Um, ended and now he's gone to join Wickham. He was your top scorer with five, but it sounds like it, it's just all being remoulded under the new manager. Is, is it just a case of he didn't like him? So moved him no, up. no, Bez Labala is, re- is really, really disappointing. Um, like you say, yeah, he'd been the only forward that had worked and he was kind of an emergency signing, I remember, because of the injury to Cole Stockton. He'd had decent output in competition, in the league in particular, but also in some other competitions. He was the top scorer. It was a short-term deal. Um, it was after the Cambridge game, I think, that we found out he'd refused to play the final game of his contract against Cambridge because he wasn't keen on staying to the club. Martin Patterson was very public about it to the media afterwards. We gave him a much improved offer on what he currently had. He decided against it, which is, if you want to do that, fine. Finances in football are an important thing. It is a short career. If you want to get a better deal elsewhere, fine. What leaves a sour taste is refusing to play your last game for whatever reason that choose mm. to be, probably because he doesn't want to get himself knocked and out of the mix or something. It's it's, it's not the way people want it to go. And he's gone to Wickham. Um, we'll see what happens with him. He's got forward competition there. I don't have to be the out-and-out player in the team. I don't. I think he's registered an assist so far. I don't think he's yet registered a goal. So we'll see with that. It's it's the frustration probably most from the January window that we you lose a guy like him who had a really good impact and you thought was a really good person, really on your side. And... 
if he comes out on social media saying thank you to the club for everything, we did the best we could to make this work, and we just know you're just lying. You don't say that. Mm. We all know the story. The manager's been very public on the situation. We know that you basically turned us down and refused to play your last game. So he leaves with a bit of a sour taste in his mouth, which is not ideal for him. But I wish him all the best to Wickham and beyond, and we'll see what happens. Because a move to Burton has, has revitalised his career because the last couple of years he's yeah. barely had any involvement at all. So we'll see what happens with him now. Yeah. Uh, good stuff. Let's come on to the game itself on Saturday then. Uh, what we, can we expect tactically under Martin Patterson? Formation-wise, are we looking 3-5-2? What's, what's going to happen? How are you going to approach this one? Uh, based on recent games, I think we're probably looking at 3-4-2-1, as people might call it. Kind of a, a very mm. narrow 3-4-3 with sort of inside forwards. Mason Bennett has recently been a little bit revitalised, actually. He's, he's got quite sharp, scored at the... Last weekend against Leighton Orient, I will admit it, it was a shot that went under Solbury and he probably should have dealt better with it, but he got his, his registers, that's got all the same. Really seems to have pulled out the back heel trait recently. Seems to always pull out one of those a game, drifting into the, the right-hand side, flicking the ball inside to people alongside him. He'll probably play a bit further forward with Mark Helm, with um maybe Joe Powell joining Kieran Gilligan in, in central midfield, wing-backs, a back three. So I would kind of expect a 3 four, two, one, maybe with... Olerada Bowman in the line, but maybe instead we go three five two and play Hudlin and Olerada Bowman because the thought of six at four and six at nine um, would be quite fun. <laughs> would be quite funny, maybe more than fun. But we'll see what it is. It's I'm, I'm quite curious how how we do set up for this game because we've got yourselves and then we've got a rearranged game with Carlisle on the Tuesday nights. So an opportunity mm. for a couple of positive home results we'd have to feel at the moment. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, how's um, how's Powell doing at the minute? Because he was he was very deep when we played you before. Has that changed mm-hmm. much? He's uh, probably become a bit less active in play. I'd say he, he's still on all the set pieces. Mm. That's that's where his main output comes. Yeah. Now, um, I don't think we're going to find him doing what we did against Bristol Rovers and blasting the ball from thirty yards anymore. The one of the big bonuses for Burton has been getting Mark Helm back, who's a more He's got yep. the technical ability of Joe Powell, but he goes further forwards. So that's a big difference making yep. having him back in the team. He's a source of goals from midfield and a lot to, and we don't have a lot of those. So he's a valuable asset to have. And I, I would expect Helm to probably have more of an impactful game than Powell in this match, for instance. Yeah, Helm's the one that pushes on and supports the front two, isn't mm-hmm. he? He's the one that he, he sometimes goes beyond the front two. He creates, he scores. He's, he's the one that I'm going to be watching, I think, at the weekend because he seems to be the one, especially under Patterson, that that is being freed and he's one of these players that has just taken on board everything that Patterson said and, and thought, you know, I'm a good player and he's having a really good impact so far. Yeah, he's one He's one of the, one, he's one of the big ticks that Dino spell because he picked him up this time last year. Um from Burnley, if I remember right, where he'd, he'd been playing on the 21s football, not really getting a, a shot, his first shot in the senior game. And he had decent impact in the back end of last season, including a brace against Sheffield Wednesday. And I think we came into this year wondering he could potentially be the star man this team, the potential player of the season. And it, if I remember right, it was that Carlisle game I go to before, at the end of the winning run, where he he scored the goal to put the one up, came off the half-time alongside Quadra Bar, And that's ultimately, I think, what maybe attributed to the slight downturn in form as well. I think if Hell had been there, it might well have been a different turn of results. He's he's got that technical ability, that that ability to just you know those kind of players that almost receive the ball on the turn rather than kind of face yeah. the goal. He's very good at receiving judging the weight of a pass, receiving the ball on the turn, carrying it forwards every opportunity, likes drifting into the channels. He's 
is a really nice player to watch. And in a team like ours, which is quite big, quite brutish, got a lot of physicality, someone like him with that technical quality, you really do notice it when he's in there. Is he going to be the one that we need to watch out for? I'd so potentially he's, say he's so, yeah. Man. It's um, It'll be him, it'll be Oler Adebomi as well. It'll, it'll probably still be Braithard. You have to keep turning the Braithard with <laughs> that threat he provides. Set, but it just has this knack of latching onto loose balls in the box as the opportunity drops his way. So, yeah, I, th- I think Helm's probably the one. Helm against Leonard could be quite a fun battle, although Leonard might be too busy scoring goals at the other end anyway. To, so we might have a contest <laughs> between the two to see how it happens there. Yeah, it- might just be a contest from afar of, you know, you do yeah. something, then I'll do something better kind of thing. Yeah, we'll try that <laughs> out. Um, where you at with injuries, suspension, coming into weekends? Any major um, misses for you? Another another big boost, actually, I haven't mentioned, is Tom Hamer coming back to play at right wing back because it's been Jake Caprice throughout the period of the season and people do not feel confident with Jake Caprice. Every time the ball goes near, whether in possession or out of possession, everyone feels a little bit anxious. And Hamer comes back in, He's the most unique footballer I've ever seen, Tom Hamer. He's built like a Lego man. We call him all the time. He's got the broadest shoulders you'll ever see. Very plain, square head, very basic haircut as it is. But I'll tell you what, the guy is a really good all-round footballer. Very good back post defender in Mm. particular. Real great physical outlet to have in the team. And just a bit of confidence back on that right-hand side, which just wasn't there because of Caprice. So having him back's been a boost. Still waiting for the return of Sam Hughes to play in the back line, who's been... Reigning player of the season, seen for a long time as the most important cog in that defence. This kind of idea we had that if he wasn't there, we were in deep trouble. Maybe not the case anymore because the back three recently has been doing fine. Sweeney in particular on the left-hand side has been excellent. Ryan Sweeney has been really, really impressive, real dominant force. But I'm curious to see what happens when Sam Hughes and Jasper Moon come back in, what that means to Enciala, for instance, who's kind of been seen maybe a bit more of a backup. But if he keeps playing the level he has at the minute, NCR, he's got a good chance to keep both of them out of the side, which is quite nice. So I think we've got a couple of knocks still in defence that we're waiting to see a return. But generally, I'm not sure what's up with Oshelaja at the minute, whether there's a suspension or a bit of a knock for him who's been absent in recent games. But people aren't too down about that probably compared to others. So we're in decent shape, I'd say, to this weekend. The pitch, on the other hand, is not. (laughs) Oh, is it not? What's going on with the pitch? Is it? Oh, the pitch is (laughs) Just not holding up. We've had we've had, well, I haven't played a home game for some weeks. We were supposed to play Tuesday night games with um, Charlton ten days ago, and then Charlton the week before, and they both got called off because of a bit of rain. You know, it's uh, I, I think not just Burton but clubs as a whole need to be better with their communication because if you've had a day that's rained all day and you know your pitch naturally deteriorates anyway. Why you're leaving it mm. till an hour before kickoff to call a game off, especially when Carlisle are coming as well. All the Carlisle fans have made it, and then yeah, six forty-five, yeah. the game gets called off, and you you really sympathise with them in that situation. And Burton's pitch does deteriorate; it plays more than its regular season worth of football. There's some other sides you share it. I think they have some women's games on there involving Leicester City a couple of times in the season. So, if mm. it doesn't rain, we'll be fine, but it will not be in a great state. Let's put it that way. So Mark Leonard's not the other. <laughs> silky pa- no silky Mark Leonard passing on this pitch. There's going to be some... I was going to say that. <laughs> I was going to say that. was one of the things I was reading about um, you be- about your game against Orient. You were letting them have the ball a lot in the first half. In the second half, suddenly you're bam, you're into tackles, you're pressing them. That, is that how you're going to approach it, how you approach the second half? Because I think if you do, we might be in a little bit of trouble if the pitch is like that as well and you're fully crunching into us and get, get putting pressure on us. We seem to struggle a little bit about that kind of against that kind of thing. Yeah, being being more active in the press was was the real big part of that Orient game, as you say, because 
Orient were completely dominant in that first half. Burton didn't even have a shot. Um, they got the lead for a penalty, which was a penalty. Um, Bowler tripped over. I think it was Shaq Thord. He, he took down and Munker put the penalty yeah. away. But generally, they were trying to play intricate passes. Burton were very stubborn, very defensive, playing a low block, which they occasionally got through and put some shots at Crocombe's goal, but generally weren't creating that much, just having a lot of the possession. And Burton got more active with the press and both of the Thords, and it was a much stronger second-half performance from them. So... That'll be, I think, the intent to play the way that we do there. The good thing is what you said with Patterson is that he is able to respond the right way after a poor first half. So I think under Mammoth, for instance, if we had a poor first half, it would often be the case where the second half wouldn't be that much better. And you'd probably just see the the opposition either extend the lead or get the lead. But it feels like Patterson does seem to have that better tactical now, so that better tactical flexibility about him. So... I hope it's not reactive against Northampton because I think if we go into this game reactive against you, you might well go into it with a first half lead. So the intent is going to be to go at you from the off and we'll see what happens because he he believes you're one of these teams that we could potentially hunt down even though there's quite a place gap at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And that mentality going into the game is going to be like that, isn't it? So, um, yeah, I'm a little bit fearful about that because games like Stephen is your way when we just don't turn up because of the physicalness and the in-your-faceness of the opposition. Um but we'll see what happens. If you're, this is a very different kind of answer, I'm guessing, from when you first gave it earlier in the season. But if you're John Brady in the dressing room on Saturday, what you're saying to the Cobblers players in terms of how we beat you? Hmm. Thumb John Brady. I'm thinking, how can I run down to the touchline and celebrate the late winner? Probably. <laughs> it's something he likes to do. I remember that. I still remember the link. The Lincoln right. video lives in my head. That one, the one the from Lincoln. the Lincoln game, lives so in my good. head particularly. I, I do remember that. That was great. Yeah. Um, beating Burton, he might slip over by the sounds of it. <laughs> potentially, it's, uh, I think the jugouts, the touchlines are not in too great condition at the minute. How, how do you beat the Burton team? <laughs> I, I would say if you are able to to get in your passing game and they get quite deep, these intricate moves will cause problems. I would still say this, this back line is very used to blocking shots. It, it does leave Max Crokin with limited amounts to do, but the aim is always when you take that risk with blocking shots is you can have awkward deflections that put it out of the goalkeeper's reach. I've, I seem to remember Leonard's goal in the first game was that. I don't. I, mm. I felt like at the time watching that game back in the reverse XJ, it kind of just deflected perfectly into the top corner out of Crocombe's reach. And I, I don't have to remember looking back if it actually was a deflection or not. It certainly felt like at the time he had a go, it, it knocked perfectly into his way. I don't know if that was the case. Um, yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head, but they might have taken a little bit of a nip, yeah. Yeah, I would say that uh, that is probably the way to go. If your game plan is, is smart from the off, we haven't... Just having that that little individual moment of quality, which you which you've got with someone like Hoskins, for instance, I, I think that's what was shown with the Derby and the Lincoln defeats. Just that one individual moment from an individual player that can just find a way through, make a bit of space in the box for himself. And Hoskins is capable of doing that. So I'd imagine Sam's going to have another crucial little role if Mark Leonard doesn't grab his whatever goal of the season. Now he seems to. It's terrifying the thought really that he's suddenly added goals yeah. to his game and already being the passer. He is. <laughs> it's, uh, it's getting a bit unstoppable now. I think we need to bring this to an end with, with you lot. Uh, yeah, I'm happy we've got past January with it, to be fair, um, so that the, the mm. Brighton aren't calling him back. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> there was massive celebrations when we when we got past the date in January where you can't call sure. low knees back, but there's absolutely no way. I, I don't think either of us are going to be seeing him next season in any form. <laughs> Let's just face it. Um, well, good Hoskins, on him, because I'll tell you what, he's one hell of a player. He really has. It's It's been so impressive to you guys to have two whole years of him. Really good. 
Yeah, yeah, it's been amazing. Um, Hoskins himself just came back from injury on Tuesday night, so I'm not sure how much she'll see of him. He might play okay. a little bit more than he did on Tuesday. Got 10 minutes on Tuesday night against Oxford, so potentially have a little bit more. Did he grab the equaliser? He was involved in it, wasn't he? He was involved, yeah. No, it's uh, Tony Springett who got the equaliser. Um, Springett. Loney yeah. from Norwich. Yeah. Um, expectations then for this one from you? What are you coming into it expecting to win? One of the ones uh, you target for three points. It'd be for nice to season. have another two-one. We're on a, we're on for a hat trick of two ones at the minute. Um, I'm actually in the. I'm sitting on the fence and going in a draw in the score draw territory, which would be fine. I'd, I'd be happy with a, a score draw at this moment. I think the, the couple of wins before I had built a nice little gap to those above. Sat on thirty-eight. It's difficult to predict, but I'm inclined to think if we got ten more points from now to the season's close, that'd be the job done. You know, people talk about the magic fifty. I don't think you'll need fifty this year. There's just so many teams down there that seem to just not pick up a great number of points and other people at the top that are. So mm. I would have thought three more wins in a draw before the season's up would be fine. Your yourselves and Carlisle and then actually Cheltenham at the, the weekend after are kind of bringing to an end what's been a favourable month of games, which I think we have taken advantage of. It's been a good third month under Patterson. Um, I think it's 10 points from six games, which is always worth having when you're in Burton situation. I, I'm feeling quite mm. good we can pick up certainly another positive result of some form, but I am wary of you guys at the minute and just the absolute monster you seem to be. You just don't have any quit in you. So maybe, uh, well, there's other teams, if we were holding a lead going into stoppage time, I was feeling quite confident about maybe you guys were a little bit different on that. Although I would have said that about Orient at the weekend, actually. So mm. going into that game 2-1, it deep in stoppage time, I was in there thinking, this lot just got a late winner against Northampton in midweek, so maybe they might get it again. But no, he didn't. So... Yeah, I, I'm I'm in the That's score draw. Uh, I'm in the score draw situation myself for this weekend. It's my feeling. Nice. Can I draw you on a score prediction? Uh, we'll go to the classic one-one. Why not? We'll go, we'll go to the classic. Hey, Don't who scores first. I, I can't give you the order of this of this game. I'd, <laughs> I'm not anticipating a nil-nil. Clean sheet would be nice, but something positive just keep the mood going people will want another win so that we can get the fist bombs back out in front of the home end again but maybe we might have to wait a little bit while for another win for that Carlisle I'm, I'm truthfully I'm more focused on Tuesday the Carlisle game because that is one you just have to win now with the state Carlisle are in and it, if we can match yeah, that with a, a nice yeah. little result this weekend and then give proper go on Tuesday and just see them off and probably put Carlisle to the sword if they're not already down already they're probably going to be doomed by that point really with the way they're going so a little bit of an eye on Tuesday to myself personally, but another positive result here to wrap up would be a decent February would be nice. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, Cobblers fans travelling, where should they eat and drink before the game? Uh, we have a designated away sports pub. It's called the Beach Inn. Yes. That's beaches in Beach Tree. B-E-E-C-H-I-N-N. Uh, it's a little bit down Darby Road. You go past the Pirelli on Darby Road, the main road down towards the a38 it's a big blue building you'll you'll find fans in there anyway if they've been there before they'll be aware about it because i think it has been a while since we played each other with fans hasn't it because it would have been the covid season yes yeah when we last played yeah so it was would it been the would fa it cup been... game the last time oh yeah the cup oh yeah i tried to forget that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we definitely yeah, had fans that day yeah that's true sure the beach that, yeah. inn is the designated <laughs> away pub for burn albin it's b-e-e-c-h-i-n-n so Big blue building on Derby Road, uh, heading down past the stadium. You won't be able to miss it when you see it. Lovely stuff. Ed, thank you so much for joining us. Um, anything you want to plug before you go? No, perfect, my end. Thank you very much for this, Danny. And uh, I hope to see you guys have a a really good end to the season. I, I think, um, you know, I, I personally have to say that Daryl Clark is into the manager of the season, the way he's going with Cheltenham. But I've got to say, the job John Brady has done with you guys really is exemplary. Mm. And it, it still staggers me 
the burn was the catalyst for all this change that you suddenly find yourself <laughs> up the other end of the season. So maybe we're the catalyst and it goes the other way instead, and maybe it all just goes yeah, back. maybe we just lose every game. Maybe after we the just lose season. every game after <laughs> yeah. this point. No, fantastic season you guys yeah. have had, really impressive. I think it's your highest since two thousand eight. You're going through, isn't it? I think I remember doing. Something yeah, it's a long time. It. Yeah, it's an amazing. It's a long time. Yeah, it's an amazing job. Great doing, with Brady yeah. at the helm. Lovely season you guys are having. It's it must be wonderful. I think when you come to like the January predictions mm. and no one's putting Northampton anywhere near the bottom four, like no one's even considering it you've just been out of it for so long yeah yeah i mean i mean we have yeah they can if we lose a couple in a row we do start to panic like every <laughs> every team does but uh, uh, no i was saying it on another podcast earlier this week if we if when we get to that 50 51 52 point mark it's cause for celebration because it's just yep. it's a fantastic achievement just to stay up for one league and the way we've done it it's been great um but yeah Thank you for joining us, Ed, and all the best for Burton for the season. Hopefully, we'll be back a couple of times next season as well, and um, I'd like I'm that. sure you'll be like completely safe as well. Yeah, I'd like to enjoy a six-deal trip to change. <laughs> Good stuff. Thanks so much for coming on. Pleasure. Good luck to the Cobblers this weekend, and of course, to NTFC women. Their, their game against Lincoln uh, has been postponed because of Lincoln's involvement in the County Cup, but hastily rearranged the trip to Sheffield away in the league this weekend for the women. Um, speaking of which, do check out the podcast we did with goalkeeper Katie McLean this week. A great chat with our sponsor player for the season. That should be in your pod feeds now, so do go and check that out if you can. Uh, we'll be back on Tuesday, as ever, with all of our reaction to these games. We'll see you then. Podcast Network.